dark place. And uh, she became arrogant. Uh, everything she wasn't. Rude. Rebellious. Uh, overnight. <laughs> so we've been praying for 14 years for her deliverance. And it seems she's just been getting bigger. And then this past week, you guys know I suddenly went to Dallas on a Sunday. I drove there for the word that gave us uh, very specific directions through his word. Very specific. And if you know me, you know that I'm very loath to take a step without a word, which is why this is the way it is. But um, I think my Ebenezer here is about to be retired because the only reason I kept this particular one was to see Michelle through that journey. Um, so we, we went by the word the Lord gave us through John. Stay planted on that word, even though it didn't seem to make sense. But then he gave us another word, too, which is very encouraging. So we kept the two of them at the same time. He said, this is a long time shell verse. Um, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Um, behold, I will do something
that. Yeah, I know um, I've been praying for Michelle for two years, and Robin's been praying a, a lifelong. Um, so it was incredible to me the way that God responds to us. Uh, he is not tame. He rarely does everything we want him to do, but he is so, so good. Um, let's pray to him now. Oh, Father, we have more requests than we usually do. God, we are so desperately in need of you. Um, Lord, that is always the case. I, it's only sometimes, it's only when, when we see our need, God, that we, that we know that. God, I do pray that you'd be with Sonia and Mama, especially as they go through um, what is potentially a life-threatening situation. God, I just pray that you'd be with them. I pray that you teach us ways um, to minister to them in this time. I thank you for everything we've already been able to do. Um, God, I pray that you would heal them and give them back to us. Um, God, same for 3J. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd watch over them tomorrow at the hospital as we're not able to. Lord, that you'd be with them in that we could minister to him in the, in the after effects of this. Um, Lord, I, I do pray Tommy and everyone who knew him, and I know we'll have a specific time to pray for him this afternoon, God, but I pray for him now too. God, that's where my mind is at today. That's where my heart's at today. Um, we can pray you bring comfort and peace. God, hope in your resurrection and life together in restored earth. God, I pray for Michelle. Some things we've been praying for years, God. I, I pray that you would heal her mind, that you would heal her heart. God, and that her future would be bright, um, and that we'd get to spend it together with her, and that we'd see the real her emerge from these struggles. Lord, I pray for myself and my family. Um, God, that you would heal us. Lord, that you would preserve me in the midst of, um, between the foster care and the shower Fridays here and everything that goes on, God, that you would um, walk with me through uh, just these very difficult things that I touch um, and that affect me on a deep level. Um, God, and as we move toward um, our service today, God, I pray that as each of us has brought in with us distractions, God, uh, hurts, thoughts, um, this week, God, that you would begin to orient us to you and your things. God, that you would teach us this week things that we could walk out and do throughout the rest of our week, Lord. That you would allow us to worship this morning in spirit and in truth. Lord, that regardless of whatever we hear and read this morning, God, that your spirit, that you would minister to us truth in your word today. God, because we know your truth will set us free and we desperately long to be free. Lord, I pray all of these things in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. Um, one last word just on, on announcement-wise. Um, feel free to check in with us, small groups, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Tuesday's at my place, Wednesday's here, 6 o'clock. Um, and if you are experiencing homelessness or hurt, uh, feel free to come meet us at 7 o'clock at Armstrong Park uh, to take part in Shower Friday there. Um, we have talked, been talking a lot through our series in Proverbs uh, about humility and what it means to be humble, uh, having a right view of yourself, thinking about yourself the way that God thinks about you, feeling about yourself the way that God feels about you. Uh, two things pull on our view of ourselves uh, as we often sing a song beautifully, our worth and our unworthiness. The fact that we in our sin are broken, um, but Christ in his great mercy would give his own life, would give his kingdom to redeem and restore us. And so we in and of ourselves um, are unworthy of his love, but he does not love us because we are worthy of his love. He loves us to make us worthy. Um, so both things are true. I'm going to read two passages this morning which touch on that. Joshua? Good morning, church. Good morning. I'm reading from the book of Luke, chapter 14, verse 1, and also verses 7 through 14. On one occasion, the Jews going to the house of the leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath. 
We're watching him closely. And we notice how the guest chose the place of honor and told him the parable. When you're invited to someone's house to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you and may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you start to take the lower place or the lower place. But when you are invited, one sit down at the lowest place. And when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all those who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to one who had been, who had invited him, you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they have invite you in return, and you will be repaid. repaid. And when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 13, 1 through 8, 15, through 16. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison. As though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured, as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. For God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Amen. Um, I, I hope that you will join me in prayer. Let's do this. It's a little different from what we're going to do. But y'all just sit and listen to the prayer of confession and assurance of pardon this morning. And then at the end of this, we will pray the Lord's Prayer together. So just sit and listen to these words. We'll have them up on the screen so you can consider them. God of gracious hospitality and unending love, you yourself were imprisoned to bring liberation to the prisoners and to the prison makers. You were tortured to bring healing to the tortured and to the torturers. You were rejected to welcome in the outcasts and those who cast them out. But we resist your invitation to the banquet of mutual love. Bound by pride, wounded by selfishness, isolated by fear, we place ourselves at the head of our own empty tables and starve for the goodness you lavishly offer. Forgive us, O Lord. Soften our hearts with your mercy that we may come to your table and be filled. Brothers and sisters, believe and have hope. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Through him, through Christ, you are forgiven, you are welcomed, you are loved. Let us rejoice together and give praise to the Lord, continuing in mutual love, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. God of majestic glory, in humility you have revealed yourself in the incarnation of your Son, Jesus Christ, who took the lowest place among us, that we might be raised to the heights of divinity. Teach us to walk the path you prepared for us so that we might take a place at the table with all who seek the joy of his kingdom. Amen. Please pray with me together as the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. 
Lord, please be with us today. God, be with us in wisdom as we decide as a church what to do and um, where to go. Lord, I, I pray that as we make plans and as we move forward, Lord, that you would utterly destroy any plan that's not of you. God, because we don't want to build this house in any way that you're not building alongside us. God, as we give of our tithes and offerings, Lord, I pray that you'd be in and through everything that is done with every cent, Lord, that it would be for your glory, God, towards your redemption and your kingdom. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen.
I pray that as we dig into your word this morning that uh, you would speak through it and that you would be with us in this place. Um, move in our hearts today. In your name. Amen. Well, it's good to be here uh, with you guys this morning. Uh, as Alex said, my name is Charlie. I serve as one of the pastors at Emmanuel Community Church. And I say that just to say uh, that we regularly pray for you guys here and the work that God is doing here. We pray uh, each week for different churches in the city. And so you guys are one of those. Um, and so we are grateful for uh, the work that God is doing here. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to look at Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Uh, we'll start in verse 32 in just a minute. So I'm going to just encourage you guys from the book of Hebrews I actually want to start with the last verse that I'm going to read this morning. Hebrews 10.39 is kind of the end of the passage of Scripture that we'll look at today. And it says this, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. He says we are not of those who shrink back. Maybe we could say we are not of those who quit. We could say that we press on. When the going gets tough, we keep going. And I think if we were to ask all of us in this room this morning, we could probably come up with lots of different reasons why it's hard to continue on in life sometimes, why it's hard to persevere and to press on in what God has called us to do. Maybe we could say it this way. It's easy to find times when we would be tempted to shrink back, as the author of Hebrews tells us not to do, to grow discouraged in the midst of the trials of life. So let me just read to you from God's word, Hebrews 10. I'll read verses 32 to 39. Listen to the words of God as he speaks to us in this book. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. As we walk through this passage of scripture this morning, I want to kind of divide it into two different sections for you this morning. In verses 32 to 34, the author of Hebrews tells the people that he's writing to to recall the former days or to think back to times when they suffered well. And then in verses 35 to 39, he tells them not to throw away their confidence. So let's think first about these first couple of verses where he says, Recall the former days when you endured a great struggle. When after you were enlightened, you had a hard struggle with suffering, as he says. And basically, the author of Hebrews is calling on his audience to remember a prior time in their life when they had struggled and suffered, but when they had suffered well and persevered in the faith. He tells us a little bit about how they suffered. He says they were publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. In other words, people were mocking them for their faith in Christ, treating them harshly because of their faith in Christ, probably insults and shaming and things like that. But they also had things taken away from them because they trusted in Christ. Their possessions were taken away from them. And he makes this incredible claim. He says, listen to this. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you had a better possession and an abiding one. Think about that for a moment. They joyfully had their possessions taken away from them. Why? Because they knew they had something better and they knew they had something that would last longer than the earthly possessions that were taken from them. 
Not only that, he says they were partners with those who were treated this way. They had compassion on those who were in prison. Now that may not to you and I sound like that big of a deal. We would expect that we should have compassion on people in prison. But think about it for a moment. The people that they had compassion on were those who were being imprisoned because they were Christians. So if somebody is being imprisoned because they trusted Jesus, it takes something to identify with them and to, to associate with them when they're being imprisoned for their faith and your association with them shows that you're following the same Jesus they're imprisoned for following. So the author of Hebrews is telling them, listen, you, you guys have endured well, you've suffered, you've been insulted and afflicted, you've been mistreated, you've had things taken from you and you had joy anyway, you partnered and had compassion on those who were treated this way. And you in fact, he's telling them, listen, you guys have been through difficult times before and you endured those difficult times well, but it seems like now they're facing more difficult times, perhaps even more severe difficulties than what they endured before. So the next main section is verses 35 to 39, and here the author of Hebrews tells them basically, don't throw away your confidence. Because your confidence has a great reward. Verse 35 begins with the word, therefore. Right? He's saying, because of what I've already said, now this. Let's think about the logic of the claim for a moment. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Well, that begs the question, confidence in what? What were they supposed to be so confident in? Well, why did they joyfully endure people taking away their possessions from them? The author of Hebrews tells us because they knew they had a better possession and a longer lasting possession. They endured with joy because they knew they had a reward coming from God that nobody could take away from them. And so he tells them, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence in God. If you read through the rest of the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews tells them to be confident in God to be confident in the fact that Jesus died for them, that he was raised from the dead, and they could trust in the fact that they had access to God because of the shed blood of Jesus and because Christ had died for them. So ultimately, he's saying, have confidence in what God has done for you in Christ. He would say to them, if you're a Christian, don't throw away your confidence in the midst of trials in the midst of difficulties in life, don't throw away your confidence in God. Don't throw away your confidence in the blood of Jesus which makes you clean. Don't throw away your confidence if you're a believer that you are a child of God. Don't throw away your confidence in the fact that you have access to God through Jesus. Don't throw away your confidence in the fact that God can help you in your time of need. Don't throw away your confidence in God, ultimately, because your confidence in God comes with a great reward. Now, all of that seems pretty good for the Christian, right? For those who are trusting in Jesus, this seems like good news. But listen to verse 36. He says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. In other words, if you want to be rewarded by God, you need endurance. Maybe we could say it this way, the Christian life demands endurance. I think a lot of times in our culture, endurance isn't really a trait that's valued by many people. Endurance means that you have to work for something for a long time. Endurance means sometimes that you have to wait, and we live in the midst of a culture that always wants things now. So we tend to not value endurance. My wife and I were talking to a friend the other day, and my wife was commenting on how he had an optimistic attitude, how he was confident that things would turn out okay. And my wife asked him, why are you so confident in these long-term things? Why do you have so much hope? And one of his answers was that he had grown up farming. He says, basically, if you grow up farming, you know you have to wait for things can plant a seed, but you can't make it grow faster. You can't make rain fall from the sky. And so for farmers, one of the things you have to do is wait patiently, trusting 
that the harvest will come. And so one of the things that he says is he grew up with those lessons of in the midst of a fast-paced and instant gratification kind of culture that he knew he needed to wait and trust God in the long term, even if things didn't seem right in that moment. So the author of Hebrews tells us that we need to press on in endurance, trusting in God. But there's one last element of this passage that I want us to think about this morning, and that is the warnings that we find in the book of Hebrews. If you've read the book of Hebrews before, there's lots of different passages that we sometimes call warning passages, where the author warns them about sin in their lives or shrinking backs in the midst of their trials. So if the author of Hebrews wants to say that your confidence in God has a great reward, he also wants to tell them to beware of throwing away that confidence because throwing away that confidence has dire consequences. So he holds out hope for them, but he also turns to the Old Testament and quotes, and you may not have caught this as I was reading, but in the end of the passage that I read, he's actually quoting from a book in the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk. He gives actually a lengthy quote. So this statement in in Hebrews 10, 37 to 38, for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. This is from the book of Habakkuk. And one thing that Habakkuk teaches us is that just because God has not done something yet doesn't mean that he will not do it in the future. So Hebrews comes along and says, yet a little while and the coming one will come and not delay. Think of it this way. The apparent delay of God does not mean that he's never going to act. It just means that he may not act in our time. So for the author of Hebrews, that God is not rewarding you now does not mean that he will never reward you. So what did God want Habakkuk to do? Habakkuk dealt with many, many difficult circumstances. And one of the cries of Habakkuk was, how long, O Lord? How long do I have to endure before you act and do something? How long, O Lord? What did God want Habakkuk to do? He wanted him to be a person of faith. He wanted him to be a person who trusted in God and in the coming reward of God. So the author of Hebrews closes with this statement, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So here's a question for us this morning. What does it look like to be a person of faith? What does it look like today to be a person who trusts in God? Well, I I grew up studying and and hearing things about the book of Hebrews. And one of the things I heard about Hebrews was Hebrews 11, what some people call the hall of faith. It's this long list of people in the Old Testament who had faith in God and how they trusted in God in the midst of a range of different circumstances. Listen to what Hebrews 11.1 teaches us. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith, in other words, is the hope, excuse me, faith is the assurance that our hope in God will be fulfilled. It is the conviction that things we can't see are more sure than the things we can see. Think back to the passage that I read for you a moment ago. Remember how I told you that the people being written to in this book had had their possessions taken away from them. Because they trusted in Jesus, but they responded to that with joy. Now, how could you possibly do that? Well, you can only do that if you believe that there's something you can't see that is more real than the things you can see. And so they trusted in the promises of God, which they couldn't see with their eyes, while the things and possessions of this world that they could see were taken away from them. Because they had more confidence and the invisible promises of God and the tangible possessions of this world. And that's what the author of Hebrews is teaching us here, that this faith in God is the conviction of things that we are not able to see with our eyes. In verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, he goes on to say, Now without faith, 
It is impossible for him to please God. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists and is a rewarder of those who seeks him. Think about that for a moment. What does it mean to trust God? Well, he tells us two things there. One, to trust God is to believe that God exists. To, to, to believe that the God we can't see with our own eyes is actually real and is the one who made all of this. But he said another thing, to have faith in God is to believe that God rewards those who seek him. It's an incredible claim, isn't it, right? To actually trust God is to believe that God trusts and is to believe that God rewards those who are his children and those who faithfully seek after him. So perhaps we could say it this way, that faith is a heavenward, heavenward confidence in God that is unfazed by the present realities that seem to say that God is not faithful. Think about looking around at this world. Does it ever look to you sometimes like God isn't faithful? When you look at your own circumstances, when you see the trials in your life, are you ever tempted to think that God is not faithful? I would venture a guess that you probably either are or you're lying about it right now. Right? <laughs> We're all prone to look at the brokenness of this world and think that God is not faithful. And faith for the Christian is this. Looking around at all of that brokenness that seems to say that God is not faithful, but believing that he actually is. Because his word teaches us that he is. And we're commanded to believe in just that. So I want to offer you a couple of encouragements this morning based on this text. A few things that I want to encourage you to do from Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. The first one's pretty simple based on what we've already seen. I want to encourage you to remember God's past faithfulness. To remember times even in your life when God has been faithful to you. I don't know all of your stories by any stretch of the imagination. I got to talk with a few of you before the service, but here's the thing. If you are trusting in God, you have a story of his faithfulness in your life. You can remember, even if it's the time when God saved you and delivered from your sins, you can think back on times when God has been faithful to you. Even in the midst of the most difficult seasons of life we might walk through, we can think back to times when God has demonstrated himself to be faithful to us. I think it's easy for us to forget this, though, isn't it? It's easy for us to get so distracted by the difficulties of life, the evil that we see in the world around us, the trials that we're walking through. It's easy for us to simply forget the fact that God is faithful and he's proven himself faithful to us time and time again. So how do we do that? How do we remember God's faithfulness? Well, sometimes I think we just need to take time to do that. Sometimes I think we just need to stop long enough to think back and to tell ourselves the story again and again of God's faithfulness. But I think we can help each other there too, can't we? I think we can stir up one another towards love and good works. Proclaim the stories and the testimonies of how God has been faithful to us time and time again. It's one of the reasons that a church is here, right? To encourage us and strengthen us in our faith and to tell us not to quit and to press on. <clears throat> so one of the things I want to encourage you to do, even this just week, is to remember God's faithfulness to you. Ask a brother or sister in Christ to tell you a time of when God was faithful to them. Make it a habit to tell other people about how God has been faithful to you and how you've been encouraged in your faith as well. The second thing I'd just like to encourage you towards this morning is to believe that God rewards those who seek him. And to believe that God rewards those who seek him with better and more lasting possessions than this world has to offer. Maybe we could say it this way. I want to encourage you this morning to look forward to a better city and a better day. There's lots of things to love about the city we live in. There's lots of things that are hard sometimes about the place we live, right? There's lots of good and there's lots of trials and there's lots of difficulties. 
And here's the thing. When we think about God rewarding us, sometimes we think about God rewarding us with things that aren't going to last. A better job, more money, something along those lines, right? None of those things are inherently bad in and of themselves, but they're all going to be gone one day. None of them are going to last. And so for us to believe that God rewards those who seek him actually means that we're not actually believing in God for things that will pass away, but we're believing in God for things that will never pass away. And that he will one day reward us when Christ comes back and when he makes all things new. And so I'm actually asking you this morning, if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Christ's death and resurrection, to believe that God actually does want to reward you. I struggle with this sometimes personally for really several different reasons. Uh, sometimes I struggle believing that God would want to reward me because I know me. I know the things I think sometimes and the things I do and the struggles that I walk through. And here's the reality. God's desire to reward me is not just dependent on my own character, but it comes through faith in the Christ who died for me. And so because God so loved me that he sent his one and only son to die for me, I can have confidence that if God loves me that much, he does desire to reward me. Jesus says it this way. My son's sitting here in the front row, and so he can, you can talk to him about this later. <laughs> Jesus says it this way. If human fathers, evil as they can be sometimes, know how to give good gifts to their children, if my son were to come and ask me for bread, I wouldn't give him a stone. Or if he were to ask me for something to eat, I wouldn't give him a snake. If me, being a sinful person, knows how to give good gifts to my son, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to those who are his children? And so I want to exhort you guys this morning to believe that God really does reward those who seek him. One of the other things Hebrews says is he says, and if they remember the land from which they went out, they would have opportunity to return. But listen to this, but now they aspire to a better land that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed of them to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Of people who live for the promises of God, God is not ashamed to be called their God. It's an astounding claim when you stop and think about it. That even somebody like me who is a sinner and who messes up every single day that I've been alive, that by the grace of God, God looks at me and because I've trusted in God, he says, I'm not ashamed to be called his God. And he's prepared for me a city whose foundations are sure and will never be overcome. And so I want to exhort you guys this morning to believe that God rewards those who seek him. One of the ways we do that, I think we've already sung this morning, but one of the ways we do that is by singing songs of faith. And I really do believe that's one of the ways we can spur one another on. One of the songs that our, sing, our church sings from time to time is this. We sing, is all creation groaning, it is. Is a new creation coming, it is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst, it is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this, it is. So I would encourage you guys to sing songs of faith this week. Sing songs of the goodness of God this week to stir your affections toward the one. Who desires to reward his children with things that last. And then lastly this morning, I just encourage you this way. Don't quit. <clears throat> Don't shrink back. Press on in the faith. Don't throw away your confidence in God. In some ways, it's many different ways to say the same thing, right? Keep on trusting in God. Don't grow weary and doing the good that God has called you to do. Well, how do, we, <laughs> how do we do that, right? That's something that's easier 
said than done. Here's a, a question that I think might be helpful for you that I've been struggling through for myself and encouraging others in our church to think through. When you're walking through difficult times, one of the questions that I think is helpful for you to ask is this. What would a person of faith do here? What would somebody who trusts in God do here? And as we think about that question, let me offer you a couple of different possible answers to that question. When you feel like life is futile and nothing you do matters, what would a person of faith do? They would believe the God who says that the present sufferings of this life are not worth being compared to the glory that will be revealed to us one day. And they would keep inching forward. When you feel all alone and like your closest friends have left you, what would a person of faith do? They would believe the God who says he will never leave you and never forsake you. And they would keep moving forward. When people mistreat you, make fun of you, rob you, what would a person of faith do? They would believe the God who says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And they would turn the other cheek and keep moving forward. Let me close with just the end of the book of Habakkuk. We've seen the author of Hebrews quotes from Habakkuk. And at the end of the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk gives us this incredible picture of the glory of God. The God who marches forward over the earth, even in fury and threshing out the nations and calling out and even judging the wicked. But after this incredible portrait of the reality of God, listen to what Habakkuk says. He says, Yet I will wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. In other words, I'll wait quietly for God to judge my enemies. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Habakkuk quietly waited on God to act. And in spite of the dire circumstances that were swirling around him, he rejoiced in the Lord and it took joy in the God of his salvation. Brothers and sisters, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. Let's wait quietly for God to act. And in the meantime, let's rejoice in the God of our salvation. Let's walk by faith and not by sight. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for today. Uh, God, I thank you for reminders to me even this morning. In the midst of tiredness and brokenness, I thank you for reminders that you are faithful and that you are good. God, we are weak. We struggle to keep moving forward sometimes. God, we are tempted to doubt your goodness towards us. So, God, we ask for your help. We pray that you would strengthen us. God, we pray that you would make us people of faith who trust more in the God we cannot see than the world that we can see. God, give us great confidence in you that we might walk by faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.